All right, hockey fans, listen up because we've got something special cooked up for playoff season. It's called the Daily Faceoff Playoff Parlay Challenge, and it's going to add some serious spice to your playoff experience. Now, here's the deal every playoff game, you're going to be faced with a handful of questions. It's like your own personal playoff puzzle, and it's free to join. And there are prizes because who doesn't love winning stuff? Daily winners, you're getting hooked up with gift cards. Treat yourself to some nation gear or maybe even your favorite jersey. And for the big dogs, the people who can win an entire round, it's straight, cold, hard cash. We're talking about real dough for your hockey knowledge. So lace up those skates, stretch those thumbs, and get ready to show off your hockey IQ in the daily face-off playoff parlay challenge. Sign up today and play every game day at games.dailyfaceoff.com and prove your puck prowess. I'm dropping the gloves with John Scott. It's been a two-week hiatus. Has it been? Did we release something last week? We did. We released the interview with uh, Doug Gilmore. Oh, I thought that one out of the four that we did was the worst interview. It was still good, which shows how good the rest of them were. Well, the rest. The Tony Esposito one was my favorite. I don't think we've talked since we got back from Chicago. Yeah, we should recap that. So, yeah, thanks for everyone, everyone for listening. Hopefully you enjoyed the Doug Gilmore interview. I told you I was going to do that prank on him, which was Chris Chelios. Yeah, it went well, I think. It went okay. It didn't go over like a lead balloon like I thought it would, but it, it was okay. The fans the fans liked it that were watching the interview. But anyways, so yeah, Chicago was good. It was uh, it was a good, interesting trip. Tim came in for the, the day and a half. You had fun. I did. You met all these. Uh, he was all Mr nerd in the player's lounge trying to who's that who's that who's that you didn't get to see many big names though right like did you see taser or no those guys weren't in the same rooms as you no they don't let me be in the same room with them <laughs> did you see who did you see what were the big names Saad and shah we we're hanging out with them a little actually bit. we did hang out with shazi a little bit it was it was funny we were on the couches in the player's lounge and i was talking to shah and tim piped up he goes Hey, hey, and I introduced Tim. I'm like, Tim's on my podcast. We're here. And Tim out of nowhere goes, We'd love to have you on. <laughs> and Shazi just totally just dusted him, didn't even answer and walks away. Didn't acknowledge my presence Did at all. Did not even acknowledge the question. It was so great. And you were just sitting there like a I little, forgot about that. You're like, oh no. And I, I loved it. I was like, don't ask anybody else to be on this podcast <laughs> ever again. Cause they do not want to do it. A. Or actually, you should have asked everyone just for my my pleasure because it was so funny watching his reaction just to complete <laughs> beat it nerd like doesn't even acknowledge yeah i don't know if he heard it or not but you said it right to his face yeah i'm just i'm nothing to him nothing at all but you who was your favorite player to interact with zach smith oh zach yeah. smith the sleeper he right? was a good interview too yeah, we'll be releasing that soon. He was just such a nice, normal guy. It was like talking to like your next door neighbor or something. I feel like if we were going to rank the four that I did, he was third best or second worst. However, you, however you want to look at it. I liked it better than Bickle. You liked it better than Bix? I thought yeah. Bix was better this year. Yeah. And then Tony hit, knocked it out of the park. Tony was awesome. Tony was giving me um, guff. He wasn't letting me get away with anything. He was chirping me more than I was chirping him, which is like hard to do. Tony Esposito, guy's a legend. But anyways, Chicago was good. We uh, got some content, which is always nice. Sold some books, um, and then went home. Played played in a golf tournament, and then drove home. So very, very quick, very good trip. I don't know if I'll go back, but we'll see how it goes. Go Hawks, go. That's what we heard a bunch of times. Any any recap, Tim, on the trip? I think you nailed it. I nailed it. Killed it. What a trip. Now we're back in Traverse City. Today we have in the office, so I do my podcast at Web Canopy Studios. It's a digital marketing company, and they have interns. And so all summer, these two kids, they get, they get me beers every week. Well, I'll give them, I'll sign them a credit card. I'll say, hey, go grab me a six-pack. The first week was a rough beer grab. It's usually my credit card. It's usually Tim's, and then it was mine <laughs> a few times, or Larry's. But the first week, we gave Ethan the credit card. Yeah, let's uh, let's not talk about that. What did what did we ask? I said, can you get me please IPA. an IPA? Yep. 
And he comes back with something a, fruity and then like a brown ale. A Heffen, yeah, or a Heffenweizen and a fruity beer. And I said, never again. Like, what is, do you drink? Okay, so it's Ethan and Eric. Say hey, fellas. What's up? How's it going? All right. Awesome. Love the energy. Have you ever drank beer before? Uh, yes, I have. Do you know what an IPA is? I do now. Do you know how to read? Yes. When you go to a store and you are <laughs> looking for a beer that is called an IPA, why would you come back with a fruity lager and a brown beer? Uh, yeah. Well, technically, Tim told me to grab whatever I want. So, Tim, you just that got thrown under the bus. That is actually correct. Really? No. What is the real story here? <laughs> We're going to investigate. Who's lying, Ethan? I got to say it's Tim. Holy moly. Does that sound like Tim. me, John? That does not sound like Tim. Uh, anyways. It's their last day, so who cares? Who cares? The first beer run was an epic fail. The second one got a little better. And then by the third time, we literally had to say, get this brand and get this many. Because <laughs> I don't like what school do you go to? Michigan State. That explains everything. Hey, hey, come on. That explains <laughs> everything I need to know. Let me guess at Michigan State. What do you guys drink there? Whatever we can. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. There's no quality. Like, have some pride in what you're putting in your mouth. When I was at Tech, I would drink Line and Kugels. was great. Delicious. You know, delicious. You get a big flat of Line and Kugels. We would drink that. We wouldn't just throw anything down our mouth. We were, you know, we're classy students. Just getting put on full blast right now. Yeah. You know <laughs> just, what? You're next. They, they bring us in here. <laughs> you get you roast Eric. The roast of the interns. <laughs> All right. And then there's Eric. I didn't know he, he spoke until a couple weeks back, and he's actually a really talented kid. What school do you go to, Eric? Grand Valley. Grand Valley is a good school. So the interns were also the driving force behind the live show we did on Free Agency Day. Eric created all that stuff. Ethan was helping with the live stream. That was them more than Larry or I. And that was one of the best shows we've ever had. And it was so smooth. Yeah. That Eric killed awesome. the graphics. Anyway, I so guess. we had the interns. We thought since this was their last day, it'd be nice for them to come on and tell a little story. And me and Tim threw around some ideas. They both played hockey. Correct, guys? Correct. Yes, sir. And they were both kind of scrappers. And so we asked Ethan to tell us your best hockey fight because we figured since this is dropping the gloves with John Scott, now it's going to be dropping the gloves with the interns. Yes, sir. So, so let's hear what, how old were you? What was the league? His name, excuse me. Uh, I was probably around 14 years old for this fighting story right here. Uh, and a little background info. Uh, I actually was lucky enough to grow up with uh, Dallas Drake, former red winger. Lives and, right beside me. Yeah. He was my head coach growing up when I played travel. So, played for his team. But this fight actually took place in uh, Spring League, which is local here in Traverse City. Okay. And uh, I had me and a couple of my teammates on one of the squads, and we were out there just saucing, you know, probably up 8-0. Oh, my gosh. Can we end this interview right now? <laughs> oh. we, were up, we were up about 8-0, and the other team wasn't too happy about it. And they were – they were, uh, Getting upset every time we were coming down, and uh, because it's eight nothing, and you guys are probably eight, still toe dragging and yeah. saucing yeah. and not easing off a little bit. And uh, one of the guys was getting real angry, playing pretty dirty, a couple sh cheap shots here yeah. and there. Sounds like a nice guy. And uh, he got got my buddy in the neck, and uh, with a puck? No, with a stick. Okay, slashed Ooh. him in the neck right in front of the the goal. Was he wearing a neck guard or what? No, no, no we didn't. Okay. Uh, we didn't wear neck guards. I don't okay. think, but uh. Yeah, so just started a giant fight. It was a five-on-five, five, bunch of 14-year-olds going at it. The goalie even got involved. He was throwing some uppercuts with the blocker, getting people. And uh, there was one ref out there at the time because it was just spring league, and he uh, couldn't stop it because we were all just going at each other's throats. And uh, you hear Dallas in the stands yelling. And what was he yelling like get him or stop no he was he wanted it stop yeah because it was like it's just the local kids we were playing with it wasn't like us it was not meant to be a serious game or anything okay and uh next thing you know he's out on the ice walks out onto the ice and breaks up the fight himself grabs me and my two buddies that i played with and uh takes us back to the locker room and 
essentially tells us that if we if he sees anything like that again, that we are going to be benched for the rest of the season. So he just grabbed his players yeah. and took off. Oh no, he was just he was just angry at us. He at didn't us care what any other kid yeah. did. He's like, there was. Uh, I got to take care of my team. Mm-hmm. There was some very graphic language. Which really, I we don't say that on dropping the gloves. Yep. No, thank you. All right, so your your particular fight. Yep. So your buddy gets stuck in the neck. Mm-hmm. Do you go after the guy who stuck your buddy? Yeah, we all we all kind of mobbed him, all three of us, and then the I don't know. It was kind of like a five, it turned into a five on five. Really, who did you s- square off with? I don't I don't know his name. Buckets on or off? Buckets were on. Gloves we on, obviously. Yep. Gloves <laughs> on. Um, we were fourteen at the time. So, did you punch your friend in the helmet or your opponent? Yeah, punched him in the helmet. Got him in the back of the head once. Oh, which, that's a dirty yeah, play. Yeah, yeah. Which uh, Dallas did not like. You at don't all. do that. Yeah, he, he was not. <laughs> all right. Bit. So, okay. Interesting. The story is spicy because Dallas Drake is there. It adds yeah. a little name recognition. Yeah. But it just sounds like a couple teenagers getting a little too, a little too excited. Mm-hmm. And it's I feel like you sad. guys deserve that. I honestly do because. If you're running up the score on a group of kids who probably aren't that great, and you, I'm guessing just from your language, you were probably chirping them, or were you yeah. hooting and howling after every goal? Like, uh, we were selling. Yeah, sure. see? Oh. Yeah, I would have probably gone after you, too. I would have been firing ankle bombs and pucks at your <laughs> neck and stuff. Okay. Average story. Dallas Drake's, <laughs> he, he brings it up a notch, but I side with the kids who stuck you in the neck. I do. Because no one likes to be embarrassed. You know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah. Have you have you I grown agree. a little since then? Yeah. I, I regret it a little bit because, yeah. I mean, it, we did make a scene and all. But. And was that at Center Ice here in town? Yeah, that was at Center Ice. No kidding. And how old are you now? I am 21 now. So, gosh, seven years ago. Mm-hmm. That's a third of your life. Mm-hmm. Only fight I was ever in. That's it? Yeah. Well, fighting wasn't allowed. Fighting is very strict. It's rare. Like that's that's why it happened in the spring league game because we were just Uh, like, oh, let's fight these guys. Like they're going to take cheap shots. If you could see Ethan's face, you would be glad that he never got into another fight because he's absolutely gorgeous. (laughs) He's got an Abercrombie model vibe to him. He even wears Abercrombie shirt. Is that an Abercrombie shirt? This is not Abercrombie. What's the brand of that shirt? I don't know. I got it from uh, Goodwill. I got it from what? Yeah. Nice. Thank you. Is that nice? I don't know. Yeah, it's nice. It's cheap. But you don't. <laughs> Call I, told you, I told you I like saving money, beer man. In Michigan State. I don't oh, want to yeah. get into this because there probably is actually people who would need that shirt. Anyways, stealing stuff from homeless people. <laughs> All right, Eric. All right. You're, so, on the, you're on the clock. So backstory. Backstory. I was 13. Oh. 13. This, we were um, we were headed up to a game in Sheboygan. This was Bantams. Um. And on the way up, you know, we remember last year, this team smoked us. They were really good. And um, Sheboygan, Wisconsin? No, Sheboygan, Michigan. Okay. Sheboygan, Michigan. Okay. I think the year before, like, I don't think the players liked the high school coach. So they weren't, um, they want to play for him. So they were playing on the, the normal team. So we go up there and first period, we start the game. It's like seven, nothing. Like, you're losing. No, we're winning. Oh, you're winning. Th- this team is just absolutely terrible. They can't pass the puck. They can't do anything. And our coaches are like, look, they're switching the fours to D. They're moving them back. They're saying, look, you guys got to pass three times before you, uh, before you shoot, before you try to score. Yeah. And keep in mind, it is house hockey. There's like players on this team that have never scored a goal. They're, they're new to the game. Like there's only so much you can do as a coach. So the game ends up being like 14, nothing. I don't know what it was. Everyone's scoring, and uh, the rink manager, after the game's over, he comes storming over to our bench, and the rink manager, Sheboygan, is a former NHL player named Craig Cox. If you don't know who Craig Cox is, look him up on YouTube. One of the toughest guys to play the game, like an yeah. absolute he, killer, he, tough guy. He uh, 1v1 Bob Probert. It was a yeah. good fight. But um, he's getting in the face of one of my coaches. My, my coach is like, look, there's only so much I can do. Like, I'm not the one skating out there. I'm not the one playing out there. Uh, I told him to pass three times. I moved my defense back to four. Like, there's only so much I can do. And then uh, my assistant coach comes up. He's he's getting it in his face. Like, what? Who, who are you to tell me all this stuff? 
and they they got pretty scrappy. They didn't throw any like punches or anything, but they got scrappy. And um, I don't know. That's my that's my story. Wow, crazy story. Craig Cox is a very 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 tough guy. If I was your coach, I would have watched with my. But again, another blowout. Yeah, you guys at least tried to show a little restraint, but oh, man, I can see where both teams would be upset at you guys. I really can. Because no one likes to starts the blowouts. But I guess you got to get blown out in order to get better sometimes. You know what I mean? Tough love. Very true. All right, fellas. It was a pleasure working with you this year. Hopefully you have a good year. Thank you, man. Appreciate it. Yeah. Come back next year. Can you be interns two years in a row? How does that work? Um, I I don't think it, yeah, I'll be graduating. I probably won't well, be. Maybe you can work again. here. It's possible. Would you want to work at Web Canopy? Honest. Yes. Yes, sir. Really? Because Larry's leaving. I'd love I to come back. Even on, even on winter break between semesters, I'd love to come back. Oh, but you want to get a little coin in the pocket, though. Did you guys get paid? No? Uh, we're not, we're not going to discuss yeah, that. Undisclosed oh, information. we're not allowed to discuss that. That means they did, but they're not allowed to tell people that you did? I can't. I don't know. He's digging deeper. <laughs> they did get it's a, a John Scott t-shirt, I think. No? They didn't get anything from me. <laughs> All right, boys. Thank you very much. Say hi to your loved ones. Hello. Loved ones. Oh, boy. Hello, loved ones. Anyways, I gave you an opportunity to say hi to people. You blew it. All right, fellas. Thanks a lot. Peace. Hey, uh, Marty, Tim's here, too, your best friend you've been texting with. <laughs> What's up, Marty? Yeah, Tim and I are on, uh, I, you know, like, people are asking me, who are you texting to? I'm like, yeah, it's just Tim. I know, it's <laughs> funny. Uh, I, like, will give, I'll give people, Marty or Tim numbers of friends that I know, and he just, like, two weeks later, he'll te- he'll call me. He's like, yeah, you know, I was just talking with uh, Marty Biron or this guy or that guy. Like, he just takes advantage of liberties. I don't think he should. Ah, uh, you know what? That's good. And then next step is he's going to be like, hey, I'm in Buffalo. Uh, can you get yeah. me a couple tickets? And uh, oh, yeah, that's what go. it's going to be. <laughs> no, he's going to be all over you. He's not going to stop. He's really No, nice. no, I'll play it cool. Don't worry, Marty. <laughs> I'll put a block right after this uh, this recording. I'll put Please a block do. on it. Please do. <laughs> he, did write, he did write a lot of interesting questions for you, Marty. Like a lot. Oh, good. I know the feedback on Twitter. There was a lot of people that had some you know, good stuff. So I'm, I'm looking forward to uh, you bringing in some heat. All right, Tim, go ahead. Tim's got the heat right here. Why well, we should officially introduce it. Like, we'll oh, start from, I thought we already started, but yeah. Okay. Some of it, bro. Hello everybody. Welcome. We're officially starting the interview with Marty beer on dropping the gloves with John Scott. Marty. Good afternoon. Hey, it felt like we were, we were talking for 15 minutes and we thought we were, full-time on the interview and now we got to restart again well, that's I, don't what happens. I thought, I thought we were recording tim ruins everything we'll use a lot of it don't worry yeah whatever anyways thanks for coming on marty i know you're very busy with your kids and your wife and all the other activities that you do with the tv and the radio and the podcast and who knows you probably teach you probably do goalie camps I have too many jobs you're right i have too many jobs i TV, radio, uh, here in Buffalo with the Sabres. Uh, you know, I'm on the ice with the Academy of Hockey. Not as much as I used to, but and now hockey's starting. It's crazy. It's the first week of uh, August, and my my son's got practice tonight. Tomorrow he's got a game Sunday. We're full go in the hockey now. So yeah, I've got uh, I got a lot of things going. But listen, I was excited when you reached out and you want to uh, have me on the pod because. I've been listening, and you do a great job, so I'm, I oh, feel Marty. honored to be on your podcast. Oh, Marty, I love you. Uh, I had a question. Okay. This is not one of Tim's questions. You're on TV all the time, right? Do you – because do, I've done some TV stuff. I think I've even been on air with you a few times. Do you have to watch hockey all the time? Because I – don't like watching hockey that much. Like, is it tough to keep up with every single game, every single night? Like, how do you do it? Um, I don't keep up with every single game, every single night, but I do watch hockey every day. Uh, the key is you have to have a really good personal assistant 
or in my case, a 14 or 15 year old son that likes to watch hockey. So when I wake up in the morning, he's already got a full hour of highlights and he's gone on Instagram and Snapchat and Twitter and on NHL.com and TSN.ca and whatever. And he can give me everything that's happened. So all I have to do is sit at breakfast with my son and I know exactly what's happened the night before, but I do watch and I used to as well. Even when I played John, I was watching games on non game day. Uh, I kept up with the league. I, I always was fascinated with other players, other goalies. I love, love talking goalies and studying the goal. We're not going to talk goalies here, Marty. Sorry. You know, I can tell a lot of lies, you know, but usually I, I tell everybody <laughs> the truth. And, um, yeah, I love the game. So uh, when I retired, you know, I was getting tired of, 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 you know, your body is not, the you know, in the shape that it once was. And But I always loved the game. So I figured I'd better get in the action right away because I didn't want to step away from the game that far. And uh, I'm right back into it. Which is good. I feel like I loved watching when I was playing. It was great. I loved, like you said, keeping up and keeping tabs on people. But man, when I retired, I just felt like I needed to step away. I think I left on different terms than you did. I was like obviously controversial with the whole All-Star. Did you know I was in the All-Star game? Did you hear about that? Yeah, I was watching at oh, home on my what? couch okay. and I okay. was cheering for yeah. you. And man, you were... It was like practice back in the old New York Rangers days where you were sniping left and right. And the only difference is I was on my couch. I wasn't in the net. So uh, I felt uh, very happy about that. I remember the first practice with the Rangers. I um, I got in early. I think I, I took the red eye there. I got traded to the, to the Rangers from the Hawks at the deadline, like legit the last minute. So I show up in New York. I get there. First practice. I'm all I'm winded and gassed and jet lagged. And I sniped on you and Lundqvist. I think my first six shots, I was like going bar down and post in and over the pad and five hole. And I was like, holy moly, like what is happening right now? And then obviously everything came crashing down, but it was a good first impression. Yeah, that was my first impression of Marty just going bar down. down. Maybe you should have done that more often. No sleep. Just go to practice, party all night. Like, don't worry about taking care of your body. That's uh, That's how you were successful. I know. I was too responsible. I should have partied more and slept less, I guess, in order to be successful. Kids out there, that's how you make it. Don't sleep and don't even practice. Yeah, I don't think Torts would have liked that. He would not. Anyway, so yeah, we wanted to hear some Tortorella stories because I know you played under him for how long? I played under him for about uh, three and a half years, and I love Torts. I'll be honest you with you. Did. I absolutely loved him. Um, and my brother played for him in Tampa a little bit. And when I got drafted by the Sabres, John Tortorella was an assistant coach with the Sabres and coached the Rochester Americans. So I had to have a, a, oh. a bit of a history with Torts going back. But I'll tell you, like, Torts's cardinal rule is you can never be late. And, and that is with meeting, uh, practice. And if it's a 10 o'clock meeting in the morning – that doesn't mean the meeting starts at 10 o'clock. It means the meeting will start at 9.52, and you have to be sitting in the meeting room at 9.45 because <laughs> if you're not sitting 15 minutes before meeting in the meeting room, you're late. And I, I think many times when you first come to an organization, you don't really know like what the, the, the standard procedures are. Are you having a lot of meetings? What about videos? Are they short video session, long video session? And with Torts, the number one thing everybody said is make sure you're on time. And on time means 15 minutes early. So that was the, my, my first reaction to it. And, and I, I mean, the reaction of players when they're late or when they're about to miss a meeting, it's the funniest, most scared the players have ever been when they know like, oh my goodness, I'm going to be late for the power play meeting. And they don't want to walk in as Torts is speaking. And they basically just don't go in, right? They, they just hope that he doesn't notice that you're not in the meeting. Um, so yeah, that was the first thing the guys told me when I signed in, uh, in, in uh, New York is don't be late because uh, he'll, he, he won't like that. I like that, though. I think that's old school. I think that shows respect. Even to this day, I like to get places 
at least on time. If I'm not on time, I am like embarrassed. So I like that. That makes yeah, me happy. Yeah, but you know what? It was funny is that I, I and I keep telling everybody the story how the guys were actually actually scared of Tortorella and being late. So, so one day, I, I mean Brian Boyle, which is the nicest guy around, right? So Boiler is always on time. He works hard. He's the nicest guy in the locker room, and. We're, we showed up in the morning, and I don't remember if you were there, John, or not, but everybody was at the rink early. So on the board, it said 9.30 meeting. And so 9.30 meeting, you have to be in the, in the meeting room at 9.15. And, you know, it's about 8.30, 8.45 in the morning. So, you know, everything's good. Boilers decides he's going to go to the bathroom and bring the newspaper, you know, his morning routine and whatever. Well, since everybody was there, you know, uh, I think it was Ryan Callahan went to Torth and said, hey, can we move the meeting up to like nine o'clock because everybody's here? So Torth says, absolutely. So without Boiler knowing that the meetings had been moved up a half an hour, he, like, you know, everybody knew, but he was still in the bathroom and nobody told him. So me and Lundquist were getting dressed to go on the ice. The goalies, usually we would go on the ice early. And Boiler gets out of the bathroom and he comes into the locker room and it's literally 8.55. It's not even 9 o'clock yet. So technically he's not late, but he knows that he's really 10 minutes late. So we tell him, like, Boiler, the meetings move. It's 9 o'clock. It's 9 o'clock. And he's freaking out. Like, he's going, should I go in? Should I not? And he's doing the dance in the locker room. And, and he's like a big man, six foot five, 250 pounds, whatever. And he's scared of John Tortorella and what that's going to do. So he goes, screw it. I'm going in. So he runs around the corner and he walks into the meeting. And before Torts could even say anything, he goes, I was on the shitter. I was in the bathroom. I didn't know it was changed. I don't know. Like, like just preamped, like just went at Torts and Torts goes, okay, just sit down. That's fine. Like he, It was so funny to know that a grown man, a big man like Brian Boyle was was scared for his life because he was going to be late in one of John Tortorella meeting. That was like it, it was awesome. We still laugh to this day when we talk about that day. That's pretty good. Yeah. Well, you never want to be late to me. I never had that problem. I was never in. I was in one meeting, the team meeting every day. Never in the power play. Never in the penalty kill. Never in the special teams. Never in any meetings. They would write all the meetings on the board before every game. It's like okay. 5.30 power play, 5.45 PK, 5.30 team meeting, or 5.50 team meeting, and I would just sit there and wait for the team meeting, and then I'd sneak in. And I was the only guy, which is embarrassing, because usually every guy has like, well, I might get on the PK, I might get on the power play, and so I would literally be sitting with the backup goalie in the other room, shooting the breeze, and then, okay, team meeting, they would open the doors, and it would just be me, do-do-do-do-do, walk in. Or if I was like the, sometimes they would dress 21 guys for warm-ups, just in case someone got hurt during warmups. And so I would be like the extra guy and I would just like do my crossword and oh, the meeting time I'd come in and it's like, sit there and not even listen. Cause you're not going to play that night. You say crossword, John, but I, and I'll tell you, this is one thing like people always ask me, like, how is John Scott? Like, how was he as a, as a, as a teammate and all that? I say he was unbelievable as a teammate, but, but what people don't know is you are the king of crossword puzzle. We used to play like words with friends and uh, you know, the whole, the other one where you had to make like, a bunch of four letter words, like in a, in a square or whatnot. And you used to absolutely like kick our butts all over the place. Like when I thought I'd have a good score, I'd have like 1500, you'd be beating me by like 3000 points. Like it was like insane. And I, I, I tell everybody, I'm like, yeah, no, he was a, he was a smart guy. Like a college guy and an engineer guy, whatever. And he used to, you used to make us, uh, especially the French Canadian, uh, look really uh, silly in those games. Well, I tell people I supplemented my hockey income with my card playing because I would play cards with you guys and I would literally just go home from every road trip with at least 500,000 bucks cash in my pocket. It was great because you guys are all stupid. Yeah. And you would just think you were so good at cards. A a few shirts and uh, a few vacation to to the card game back in the days. It was me, uh, Jay McKee, Danny Briere, and JP Dumont. And those guys would gang up on me and I... (laughs) I didn't know what was going on. Maybe I should have uh, asked for your help at some point because we used to play, you know, snarples. We'd play like, uh, did you guys ever play Screw Your Neighbor where it's like, yeah, uh, oh, yeah, we played them all. You know, we'd play hearts. Uh, 
all these games and I'd lose and literally like the guys would feel bad for me. So they'd say, hey, just uh, give me like, they, they, we'd call that a blue light, right? When they give you like a break yeah. on what you owe them. So yeah. yeah, it wasn't good. They don't feel bad for you. Mr. First round pick. I don't feel bad for you. It's funny. We played, I played with Gabby in Minnesota and then we played in New York a little bit. And Gabby was so, he hated to lose and he would show up on every plane trip with like stacks of cash. It was crazy. And he would not, he would always buy back in until he would win. And some games he would just be in it for like two, three, four, five grand. I'm like, Gabby, what is happening with you? He's like, it's my money. I'm going to win. And he would just keep going until he won. And he, you can't listen. I was making league minimum and this guy's showing up with a bag of money with Louis Vuitton bag full of money. I'm like, I'm not going to win. It was just a losing battle. Yeah, but then the guys play in between. Didn't they play post? Like that's in the, what in he the would have all the money for. It yeah, stupid. Because oh. they would be like, it's not a game of of uh, of of brains. It's a game of luck and when to bet. And these guys would be like ace queen. Like okay, okay, uh, pot. And then they'd hit a queen, and we would lose a game like five two in in Columbus and fly to New York, and the plane would erupt like we had just won the Stanley Cup <laughs> when somebody would hit the post. Like, it was crazy. So for those of you who don't know, in between is you get you put two cards on the table, just say it's a, a six and a jack, and you can either pass or you can bet in between. And the card has to come in between, and just say you bet $10. If it comes in between, you get that $10. If you bet $10 and it hits the post, you owe $20 to the pot. If it goes outside, you owe $10. So the pot continually grows exponentially. If the pot's at $400 and the cards come to queen and you bet pot and you hit the post, you owe $800 to the pot. And so it grows rather quickly. So Gabby, he didn't care. So the pot would be at like $1,500 and it would come six jack and he would go in between pot and then it would come jack and he would have to put $3,000 into the pot. And he didn't care, and he would just kept betting pot until he won his money. And so I come up, I'm like, I'll bet twenty dollars, and it's like a two and an ace. I'm like a hundred bucks because I'm so super cheap. Anyways, whatever. Must be nice being first rounders. Okay, Tim, hit him with a question, Tim. Yeah, Marty, I want to talk a little bit about uh, your career. So you were a first round pick, like John said. Like, what was who was in your rookie class coming up with the Sabers? Who were the veterans in that room um, that kind of took you under their wing? And I'm wondering too, like you, were, I think you were one of the youngest goalies to ever break into the league. So, like, did you have any starstruck moments being a kid, just kind of breaking in? Yeah, well, I got to play my first NHL game when I was 18 years old, and it happened by mistake a little bit. So, I went to the Team Canada for the World Juniors training camp. I was an 18 year old. We were in Campbellton, New Brunswick, I think it is, and I was one of the last player cut. The last four players cut were me. Danny Briere, Jay McKee, and Dan Cleary. And so I went back home and, you know, for Christmas break. And then on, on the morning of the uh, December 24th, I got a call from Larry Carrieri, who was the assistant general manager in Buffalo. And he says, Marty, we need you in, in Pittsburgh on the 26th. Um, Hasek is hurt. Uh, Andre Trefilov was the backup is hurt. Rob Stauber, who was a goalie in the American League with Rochester, has gotten shoulder surgery. So we only have Steve Shields left in our organization and you, who we just drafted this year. So I ended up going to Pittsburgh and I played my first NHL game as an 18-year-old against the Pittsburgh Penguins of 1995-96. I mean, that team was stacked, right? Lemieux was unbelievable. Yarmir Yager. Um, the first shot I faced was Peter Nedved. He came down the wing on a partial breakaway. He shot it over my shoulder. It was in and out of the, the net before I could even react. Uh, I, was at, I, I was stretching during warm-up, and the old uh, igloo, the Mellon Arena in, uh, in Pittsburgh, you had to step on the ice, and you would have to go to the other end of the, uh, the rink. for your. Uh, that's where your zone was for warm-up. So I was in the warm-up in the corner, and I was stretching, and I see all the Pittsburgh Penguins kind of stepping on the ice, and all of a sudden – there's a break, there's a pause, and the crowd roars like they're so excited. And Mario Lemieux always stepped on the ice, the last player out of the locker room, the last player to go on the ice. He stepped on, he tapped my pads, and he says, good luck, kid. Oh, and cool. he skated away. And I see this big, like, 66, no helmet, the mullet, the big hair, right? Like Mario Lemieux in 95. And I'm like, 
I think I'm in trouble here. So yeah, so that was a bit of a, uh, 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 aha moment uh, for me as an 18-year-old used to seeing like junior players coming down and all of a sudden you see Jagger and Lemieux and Nedved and oh man, they had so many guys on that team. It was crazy. That is so cool. I remember that old rink. That was cool. That was the old rink where you dressed in two different rooms and the coaches were in one room and the these are in the back with the you know, the, the, the sewer pipes on top of you and uh, oh, it was just an awful, awful arena. I never played well there, maybe because it was my first NHL game and it left some scars uh, because I gave up four goals in the first period, sat on the bench for the second, came back in the third oh, and, no. uh, and, and played pretty well. But I, I never played well in Pittsburgh. And then I got abused by Jagger so many times. And then after that, I got abused by Sidney Crosby and Gino Malkin when I was with the Flyers. So, yeah, it wasn't a good place for me. Well, another Yager, I think people say he's his clone. My buddy Thomas Hurdle lit you up before that one night. People say that ended your career, Marty. What do you have to say about that? that. Listen, he didn't let me up before. And Lundqvist started that game. And then I had to go in because we were down like (laughs) 4-1 at some point. And they're like, okay, Marty, you're going to go in. And I went in, you know, cold. Uh, in the second period, and yeah, the the San Jose Sharks were feeling it that night. Uh, <laughs> when Hurdle came in on that breakaway and scored his fourth goal of the game, like at the moment, I really thought to myself, "What just happened?" And <laughs> I, I, I didn't know how did he score that goal. Like I blinked, and and the puck was in the net, and everybody was mad on our side because the the 19 year old kid was celebrating like it was the game winning goal. Uh, for the game and it was eight to two at the time I don't even remember um, but yeah a lot of people think that ended my career uh, I got did. to play another game in St. Louis a few days later uh, which I did not finish I got pulled in that game too but Marty. I knew that season was I, yeah all my stories start with I got pulled that night and uh, this is what happened um, but I knew this was going to be my last season I was in New York. The family was back in Buffalo. Uh, I, you know, it was my last year of my contract and leaving to go to New York was tough uh, because, you know, my third kid, so my second daughter was starting kindergarten. So I had a, a fourth grader, a second grader, a kindergartner and a pre-K and I was going to leave for the whole season and be by myself in New York and just come back maybe a couple times a month on a day off. Right. So, and it didn't start well. We had a new coach. I told you uh, at the start, I love John Tortorella, but he got fired at the end of the season, the, the previous season. So then Alain Vigneault was coming in. Alain Vigneault and I had a history, and the history went back to juniors where he hated my guts in juniors. So I knew <laughs> this was not going to be a really good, pleasant situation. Uh, and uh, he tried to, to do what's best for me. Uh, and it protected me a little bit. But uh, after the game in St. Louis, I said to him and I said to Glenn Sater, I said, I need some time to think about what I want to do here. Like, it doesn't really fit all well. And uh, I came back and I told him I was retiring. And, you know, then they, they brought in Cam Talbot and probably never thought about me again. So that was good. Wow. Well, <laughs> so, I, I think you did play, play pretty, pretty well, well for how long? long? 15, 15 years, 14 years? years? Yeah, about 14, 15 years. You know, I had some really fun years in Buffalo. I played with Dominic Hasek, which was awesome. Yeah, what was that I mean, like? Because he's you know, arguably the best goalie you ever, know, right? Guys that took you under your wing and and Dom, like he didn't say much, but if he liked you, he would talk to you. He would he would make sure you uh, um, yeah you were all good and and we sat next to one another and he he liked me and you know we would work together, but. I mean, when you're 200 feet away in practice and the guys come down to your end because they can't score on Hasek, you know you're getting lit up at the other end, right? So uh, um, he was he was unbelievable as a teammate for me. Uh, what a great goalie. There was guys like Stu Barnes. I mean, he was our captain in Buffalo. He was one of the best teammates I've ever had. And then we had a good, a good group of young guys. But, yeah, I played with Hasek in Buffalo. I played with Ryan Miller in Buffalo. I played with uh, Henrik Lundqvist in New York, so Man. I played with some really, really good goalies. Yeah, what's it, I? You mentioned it earlier. What is it like? Because I feel like I know a little bit being a tough guy, where you don't 
play for long periods and all of a sudden you're thrust into the action. But I can't imagine being a goalie where you legit sit there for 45 minutes and then all of a sudden you're in the game and it's not like me where I can kind of hide and, you know, go for a 30-second shift. Like, you're in the game. It's like, how long did that take to get used to? Because you you were a starter, you know. It's tough. It's not easy. And when you're young, you want to get in the game. Like, you're like, put me in, coach. Like, you're down 2 nothing after five minutes, and you're looking at the coach like, put me in. Well, when you get older, you realize that going in too cold in the middle of a game, the likeliness of, uh, likeliness of, of you doing well is, is not that great. So when you see the score is like 3 nothing, 4 nothing, 10 minutes left in a second, you try to almost make you invisible on the bench. Like, I hope he never looks my way. Like, uh, I hope I don't hear my name right here. Like, I, it's almost like you don't want to go in. And, and I know some guys are going to say, well, you got to prepare for that. But my best season with the Rangers and Henrik Lundqvist's best season with the Rangers, he played 62 games. I played 20. Torts and Torts was quick with his goalies. He never pulled any of us in any game. No so kidding. That That's was the best case scenario. Like if Hank didn't start, he knew he wasn't going in. If I didn't start, I knew I wasn't going in. I could take a break. He could take a break mentally and just not have that stress on your shoulders. So, and that was probably the best year of hockey, like goalie wise, that we had. And Hank won the Vesna that year. Uh, we went to the conference finals against New Jersey that year, and I think we, we had the better team. But, uh, you know, New Jersey and Zach Parise and those guys uh, and Brodeur beat us. But uh, it I was, was on your team that year, Marty. The, I know. I know. So Maybe that he... was, you know, that was probably my best, my best year because a, a coach that would usually historically was quick at pulling a goalie never did. Even if it was – you know, I remember a game in Tampa. Hank didn't really have it, but I was supposed to play in Florida the next night. And Torts was like, no, he's staying in. He's staying oh. in. He's got to battle it out. And Marty's playing tomorrow. I don't want to make the change. And he stuck to it, and it was good. That's crazy. That's why Torts, he, you get what you get with Torts. He, he is not – there's no hidden messages. There's no – like, you know where you stand, and he's not going to sit there and kind of play games with you. He will tell you exactly what's going to happen. I, I do respect Torts in that way. I just don't think he treated me right. That's why I'm a little no, and then, annoyed with Torts. And you got, like, you got the treatment like everybody when they first come in. Brad Richards got traded, you know, from Dallas to the New York Rangers, and Torts would always do the same thing. Every new guy, if you got traded there, if you sign as a free agent, whatever – he would come into you after the first day or the second day, and he'd say like, and he said that to Brad Richard. He says, Richie, you know what? You're not in good shape. You're not you're in good, not in good enough shape. You can't play 15, 16 minutes a game. I can't give you 50. You're not in good shape. You know, Dallas, they do things different than Dallas, but here in New York, you're going to get in good shape. He did that to everybody that was coming in because fitness was so important to him. And that's why you say you were bagged after, you know, your first practices and you know, because practice are tough with Torque and the pace of game and the pace of practice is really up. But once you get over that, so if you if you start training camp in September, you have a month to get used to it, and then the season starts, and then it's all good. Yeah. But if you get traded at the deadline and it's end of February, early March, you don't have time to get in the rhythm of things, and then he starts to – kind of hold it against players and say, he's not in good shape. I can't put him in there. I can't play him. He's not in good enough shape. Well, you got to give the guys a little bit of that breeding room, but he did that with the superstars and he did that with the backup goalies. He did that to me. So, I mean, that was, uh, at least he was, he was fair in that way that he treated almost everybody the same way. And you talked about Marin Gabrick. I mean, he was hard on Marin Gabrick. Uh, he was hard on, Brendan Dubinsky, he was hard on Vinny Prospel. He was hard on everybody. That's the way he was. Yeah, he was hard. So you mentioned earlier, what's it like when a goalie gets pulled and you're high-fiving the goalie coming in? I've always thought that was a weird thing. I've never really talked to a goalie about it. Do you like, what do you say to the goalie, the goalie who's coming in and the goalie who's coming out? Like, what's it like from each perspective? I never understood why you're giving the guy a high five. Like it's, I know. More, it's more like you, you, you should tap his pads and be like, 
hey, you know, not your night, whatever, <laughs> like, we got you, or, but, or maybe, hey, it's not your fault, we're playing like crap in front of you, and it's not your fault, I'm going to try to go in there and do something, but the high five thing, or the, the tapping on the gloves, I never really got it, maybe you tap the guy on the pad to say, you know, not your fault, sometimes you say, uh, you didn't have it tonight, it was your fault, but, I think it's you don't even have to say anything. It's kind of understood at that point. But I never liked going in in the middle of a game because the NHL is fast. Well, let me tell you, it's 10 times faster when you come in with eight minutes left in the second period and the faceoff is in the, either in your zone or even at center ice after a goal. Like, you're mentally are are disconnected from the game a little bit. And then you have to try to put it all together physically, mentally, and, and it flies around. Um, if you can get through the first five, six minutes, you should be all right. But a lot of guys that go in the net halfway in the game, they give up a goal five minutes in, two minutes in, because it's really hard to, uh, to catch up to the game. Oh, I know. I know when a goalie goes in, the coach instantly saying, let's go. Go side to side, get a shot right away. We want to put pucks on this guy like right away because he's cold. He hasn't seen a puck. He's not used to the speed, like you said. So, man, I can't imagine. So, one more question. Yeah. Right here. Yeah, go. Be- because this is dropping the gloves, talk about the infamous line brawl and what on earth you were thinking fighting Ray Emery, who is who was, excuse me, rest his soul. He's passed away now. I played with Ray. Yeah. Golden Gloves boxer, loves to fight. What were you thinking when you took your gear off and he's smiling at you? Were you like, what is happening? Take us take us through. Yeah, I tell this story um, a lot. And, and people in Buffalo and fans in Buffalo always want to know, like, they, they, number one, I think I met about 150,000 people that were at the game that, that night. <laughs> like, there's 18,000 there. seats, and I talked to, like, 150,000 of them are like, I was at that game. I was at that game. I'm like, what is that? Have I met everybody that was at that <laughs> game? Like literally. But um, so I was maybe playing junior hockey. I was like a 17, 18 year old kid at the time, I think. And Felix Podvin beat the snot out, out of Ron Exdahl, right? Just yeah. bled him to death. And Philly Spodvin was 5'10", 5'11", 170 pounds, and Ron Stahl was a killer, was a, was a crazy guy. So I always thought I could be Philly Spodvin. I could be the, 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 the skinny, you know, not-too-strong guy that will get a couple of lucky punch in. And I remember I got into a, a, a couple of, uh, you know, scrums with Sean Burke one year when Berkey was with Arizona, and everybody was like, uh-uh, Marty, don't even go near Berkey. He's way too strong for you. John Graham in Tampa Bay, I went after, I skidded all the way down the ice one year, and I tried to pull him out of the pile. And I remember Corey Serge, that was a good friend of mine, he pulled me aside and he goes, Marty, he's going to kill you. I'm like, no, 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 I can take him. I can take him. So now, finally, I have my chance. I have my chance to go and be on all the highlight reels and be the, the new age Felix Podvin that's going to beat Ron Ekstahl. So I'm like 175 pounds at the time, and Ray is like 230. So I know he's got the weight advantage, but I'm like, I'm, I could get a lucky punch, and maybe I sting him and he'll go down. Well, the problem is I had never really worked on fighting before. Like, I never wrestled with guys after practice. Nobody ever told me, Hey, you got to reach with your left hand. Try to grab the jersey by the right elbow so you can neutralize his punching hand. And then you got to kind of protect your face and, and try to get your right hand loose and, you know, maybe even slip it out of your jersey so you can get it loose and go. So you didn't know so anything. So when we squared off, I didn't know anything. And nobody told me. So when we squared off, I was circling around like a boxer around the ring but I was circling on the wrong side. So when I reached in and John, you will know, I reached in with my right, with your hand, right hand yeah. and I grabbed his left shoulder and basically the, the bombs are coming flying at my face within like a, a second after that. And I was like, Oh, I'm in trouble here. So I mean, terrible technique. Um, <laughs> the, the one good thing is he didn't hit me in the face. He no, punched it didn't me in the look back like he connected. Yeah. 
and that hurt like hell. I had a goosebump, like one of those like egg in the back of the head, like Fred Flingstone style for literally two weeks and it hurt like hell. But uh, I was lucky it didn't connect with my face because I'd probably still been on the ice, uh, you know, many hours after the game. It's funny. That's a good story. I know. Anytime you're going to fight someone and they're smiling at you before the fight, I think you should reevaluate if this is a good idea because that man, he was a tough, tough, tough kid. It was on any fight. He used to fight all the tough guys yeah. in the American League. He used to fight all the tough guys in the American League. The Ottawa Senators told Ray Emery, like, you need to stop fighting. We will not call you up to Ottawa <laughs> until you settle down because he would literally be the toughest guy on bingo and take on all the tough guys and always get in the fight. So, uh, but you know what, though? I'll tell you this. You, you play hockey, and you, you become a family in the locker room, and when Chris Neal hit Chris Drury right before the brawl happened on the next whistle, like, that was our captain. And our captain was laying down on the ice, bleeding out of his face with a serious concussion. We had lost a few guys to injury in the games prior to that, and then Lindy Ruff was a very intense coach. He's, he's putting Andrew Peters, Adam Mayer, and Pat Coletta. Coletta was his first NHL game. I knew at that moment, like, all hell was going to break loose. So that was my, my chance. And, uh, uh, yeah, if you listen to the Ottawa broadcast, it sounds like I was absolutely murdered. If you listen <laughs> to Rick Jenneret and the Sabres broadcast, it sounds like it was a tie. So, you know, you got to take it for what it is. I'll listen to the Rick Jenner ad, the RJ one. That's the one I like to listen to. That's yeah, funny. All yeah, right. That's what you, everybody should do. All right, Marty. Well, hey, man, I appreciate it. Always a pleasure talking to you, Tim. I'm sure you guys will be talking soon. Yeah, I'll call you in five minutes, Marty. <laughs> yeah, and please put your ticket, ticket request for any Sabres game right now. And, uh, <laughs> you know, the big ones are Toronto. So if you want four or five tickets for the Toronto game, John would tell you there's more Toronto fans in the building than Sabres fans at times. So uh, put your request in uh, pretty soon. And get it in early, Tim. All right, Marty, man. I appreciate it, buddy. I hope all is well. I'm sure I'll talk to you soon. And, uh, yeah, tell the family hi. I will. You do the same. Stay safe. And uh, thanks for having me on your podcast, big guy. No worries, buddy. We'll see ya. Marty Biron, everybody. That was fun. That was fun. Yeah, he's like, he talks so long. He's got some stories, though. It's so hard to do an interview. It was a great interview. Him and Cam Jansen. They and got I, stuff to say. And I'm just like, should I jump in and cut him up? Because I want to talk, too, sometimes. <laughs> but, he, man, what stories. He, he is one of those guys who just, everybody loves him. Everybody wants to be his teammate because he's just such, and usually with goalies, some of them are really, really, really weird, especially the backups. He was just a pleasure to be around. I was only on his team for four months and we're still pretty good friends. So that says a lot where, you know, we, we developed that relationship pretty quick. So good interview. Good guy, man. Yeah. Nice one. This show turned out to be pretty good. I came in with shuffling my feet. We were like talking to the interns. No one wants to hear from them. And then we know Marty Biron picked it up a little bit. And I think, I think we're going to end on a good note. There you go. And Tim, it was a good, good, good day. Cause you didn't talk too much. So the ratings will be high. Right? That's the recipe for success, it it's seems just, like. It seems like that's how we succeed. And then Larry didn't even say a word. I stole his microphone. Those dang interns changing everything up. But anyways, thank you, everybody, for listening to another hopefully good episode of Dropping the Gloves. And uh, we'll see you next week. Cheers.